0: If you would, open your Bibles to this favorite psalm of mine, Psalm 103. As I mentioned, we're going to pause in the middle here as we've been looking at the pilgrim's journey. It's interesting, at the end of Psalm 129, it talked of those who did not receive the blessing of the Lord. There was no cry for their harvest or for their fruit, their labor, Saying, "May you be blessed." It was the psalm maybe written for those without the Lord. And in many times, God uses difficulty. God uses us to get to the end of ourselves, the end of our rope, to find out that we cannot save or rescue or provide the answers that we are searching for. We must turn to the Lord. Psalm 129 has that message that we shared last week as we look at this Psalm 103 that the Lord is righteous and He cuts the cords of the wicked. We cannot rescue. We cannot save ourselves. But the Lord has done that for us. He has sent His one and only Son, the Son that He loved, the Son that was with Him in perfect communion from glory, from the throne to us here on earth. And it's through Jesus, the righteous one, where our cords of sin have been cut asunder. And this is the call and the cry to all that we know and we love who have not come to know Jesus Christ. Come to Him for your sins to be forgiven, for you to receive blessing. And as this is one of my favorite psalms, Oh, the blessings are overflowing. 10,000 reasons for our heart to sing. Actually, this psalm is where that song came from, as you will quickly see. The phrase is right there. Bless the Lord, O my soul. We look in this psalm at first the Lord's blessings Secondly, the Lord's works toward us. Thirdly, who He is, the Lord's nature. And lastly, of course, how do we respond? How do we look at His blessings, look at what He's done, His works, look at who He is And respond in like nature. And it all starts here. It all starts with who our God is. With what He has done. With His very nature. His very acts toward us. Everything begins by looking first at Him. Starting with the word of truth. It's at the end of January, I don't know if any of you have decided, I'm going to try to do this, read through the Bible in a year, or I've taken up this task to do some form of reading in His Word throughout the year. It could be just your own initiative, something that works for you. I decided a long time ago I was going to go at my own pace, making sure I enjoyed the pace I was going and I could read and comprehend it. This year I'm really enjoying a read through the Bible, Uh, it kind of has a commentary before and you can ask me about it if you would like to be encouraged, but love just the heart of the pastor who's giving the commentary and the theme that kind of flows as he goes through Genesis and maybe a Psalm or a Proverb and then the New Testament, always on a theme. Really enjoyed that. I'll confess first, I'm not caught up. (laughs) What's it, the 26th of January? I need to catch up and get on course. But oh, how we need to see who our God is before we respond, before we do, before we live. We need to first be filled up by who He is and what He has done for us. Even as we wake every morning, remembering the cross, remembering the gospel, remembering that you are considered righteous in his eyes. And I wonder if this psalmist, 103, King David, would get up and say, bless the Lord, and would Read through and think about all that God has done on his behalf. Let's first look at these blessings from our God. Psalm 103, verse 1 Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. We could just pause and stay for about 10 minutes on that alone. May all that is within me bless. Who is he? He's holy, perfect, and righteous. He cannot look at sin. And yet, here is King David. We remember maybe the famous sins of David. And here he is before a holy God, still able to say, I will bless you. It comes from a heart of confession. One of the other familiar psalms, 51, Have mercy on me, O God. And we're going to look at this next week, this idea of the mercy of God. Lord, reach your hand out and give me mercy. King David prayed this many times. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions, my sins. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. And we know this cleansing is the inside out. This is not come to the Lord, clean hands, washed hair, the right garb and clothes. This isn't the outside in coming to the Lord. This is the Lord seeing our heart and He's changing us and cleansing us from the inside out. Create in me a clean heart. What is God's promise to us? He is putting and sanctifying us to be more like His Son, Jesus Christ. He says, Christ took your sin on the cross and in exchange, it's one, one of those verses that is sometimes called the great exchange. Christ taking our sin and we receiving the righteousness of God. That we can say, bless the Lord. O oh, my soul, to a holy God. This is coming into play as we're looking at the pilgrim's journey. He's been looking at this idea of God's justice, God's righteousness. Even in the psalm before that. Psalm 128. We remember those who fear the Lord. And remember, we talked of this awesome respect, this standing in awe of you. We're learning how the pilgrim views his God as he's on this journey to worship in Jerusalem, teaching us what it means to be a pilgrim on our journey. Even as even this newer movie, you might have seen Pilgrim's Progress, the animated version has just recently come out to bring again the fresh remembrance that we are on a journey to the heavenly city. Here is David singing out, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. And here I go. I'm almost 10 minutes on first 1. I'm doing what I said I wouldn't do. <laughs> bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. And there are way more benefits than these next three verses but look at them with me he forgives all of your iniquity every sin he in his nature is a forgiving god he heals all of your infirmities diseases he redeems your life from the pit Unfortunately, the psalms elsewhere talk of this pit. And even in this next psalm, next Sunday, it's this cry out of the depths. You could say out of the pit. But unfortunately, the psalms talk that we, unfortunately, usually create the pit for ourselves. That sometimes we in our digging and working and laboring for a solution, have actually made the pit larger and harder and wider and deeper. There is no way out. He has reached down and pulled us out of a pit that we could not get out ourselves. He has redeemed us from the pit. This word of redemption, which we're going to also see in our next week's Walk of the Pilgrim, is this buying out of, this purchasing, that some price was paid for us to be redeemed. It's like our life on the slave market, ready to be sold to the highest bidder, chained and shackled. And of course, we know who would win that Satan said, I'm the highest bidder. Your name is on my list. And here we are, ready to go as a slave. And Christ says, I have purchased you. You will not be on that list. I have redeemed you, bought you out of. Just like Israel was redeemed out of Egypt into the promised land where God would lead and direct them. Oh, it wasn't a perfect redemption. <laughs> they wandered, they disobeyed, they grumbled, they got hungry, they complained toward God. Oh, when we say, all oh, those Israelites, yet that sounds a lot like our life. God has redeemed us out of the pit. We were hopeless and helpless. And what has He done? He has crowned us. Verse 4, Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. He's given us things that we do not deserve. He, in a merciful heart, one of the characteristics that's in this psalm we're going to read is God who is merciful and full of compassion. This is who He is. We have to rewire our minds over and over again to remember the heart of God. I think for some reason, by default, it sinks back into this tyrant, this dominating ruler, this frowning God. Oh, but his heart actually is full of Love, steadfast love, long-suffering, mercy, faithful every day, every hour. His mercies are new every morning, says Lamentations 3, 21-23. through 23. Great is your faithfulness. We're going to look at how the Word of God speaks here in the psalm. But He crowns us. This is a new title, a new position, a new thing for us that is not going away. Like we had talked of the son who ran home to his father and said, I'll just work for you. I'll make it up to you. What must I do? How much labor are you going to ask for? And the father says, take my robe and my signet ring. Like a crowning, he lavishes his love. He blesses us with way more than we deserve. But he doesn't just give us gifts and he's not the one that we worship just because of the gifts, I pray. Let's not go to him for the gifts, but go to him as the giver of those gifts. For the psalmist says, he satisfies you with good. It's not just about the things we get with the relationship with God. It's about God himself satisfying us. And in this satisfaction, he renews us. Like when we were 15 years old again. Or my two young ones, Elizabeth and Benjamin, they exhaust us at the end of the day. We are ready to hit the pillow, at least for me, I pray for my wife to get the same sound sleep, but I am just gone. It's a good exhaustion, but how much youthfulness is wrapped up in those little ones? The energy, the excitement, the daddy, mommy, can we do this? The hundreds of why, why, why? Tell me more, tell me more. The sponge that soaks everything up. Our God satisfies us and renews our youth like the eagle. Uh, Recently, it's not been an eagle, I wish, but uh, along this telephone or whatever it is, the electricity pole that goes back to our driveway, there's been this giant, brown hawk. And every time I'm just kind of driving and I'm like, what is that giant spot in my peripheral? Oh, wow. And just the, I don't know, just for a moment I pause and just think the majestic stillness and authority that he has over the fields as he's waiting and looking for movement. This hawk just reminds me of vigor, of youthfulness, of just poised. I'm just waiting for him to just kind of jump off of that and swoop down. But he is this presence. Whoa. Yeah, I think that's a real hawk. It's not a crow. I know what those look like. (laughs) But the same thing happens as we see an eagle soar effortlessly as he circles around as he's looking for his sustenance, as he's reminding all the other creatures, I'm here, (laughs) watch out. And how effortlessly they just go with the wind, go with the movement in the air. That is how God brings us into the energy and the youthfulness that he has when we rest in him when we remember all that He has done for us, we're not working for these things. We don't work for these benefits. We receive these benefits. We gladly have been given these benefits in His grace. The blessings that God has given His amazing blessings, His works. Look at verses 6 onward. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Many of this psalm is going to echo what we've been learning and seeing as we've been taking this pilgrim's journey. He works righteousness. This is who He is. And justice for all who are oppressed. And we continue to pray that. We would wish to see all of the wrongs made right today, (laughs) but we have to entrust the injustice that we see around us to the one who is the judge, who is righteous, and he gives justice to the oppressed. And remember, let's not think about, oh, the oppressed out there, but... How are we seeing injustice? How does injustice affect us? We need to go to the Father who is the just one, the righteous one. Those words are interspersed as we looked at that last week. He is righteous and works righteousness. He makes right what is wrong. He brings justice like he made his ways known to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. This is hearkening back to when he rescued them out of Egypt, the ten plagues, the power over all the elements of the earth. If the Lord wants it to rain in the next five seconds, he will. I won't say the S-N-O-W word, but if he wants that as well, (laughs) he will. There have been less prayers for that from my daughter. (laughs) We'll see how this year goes. But he is in control of all things. And here we get not just to his works of his redemption of How he even stirred up a storm and clouds to blind Egypt and the chariots. And then how he allowed the people of Israel to cross, as they say, the depths of the sea. They know what that's like. They're working through this, looking at water on both sides like walls and going, wow. The works of the Lord. Is there something for you, not just in the blessing, but maybe in the answering of prayer? Maybe in the smallest of details? Maybe in something that has occurred recently that you say, I don't know how I'm going to get out of this, get through this. How am I going to continue to be faithful? And yet you see God in the small details, in a phone call or a name or an answer. God says, I am with you. I'm taking you through my works and my ways. I'm always working on your behalf. We've looked at that as well as the pilgrim journeys. And it gets to the crux of this psalm in verse 8. This is who our God is The Lord, He is merciful. That is the first word given. This harkens back to when Moses said, Lord, show us, show me who you are. The Lord hid him in the cleft of the rock in Exodus 34. The Lord passed by and this is what the Lord said, I am merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. I will not always chide, nor will I keep my anger forever. That's a summation of Exodus 34, 6, and 7. But isn't it amazing? It starts with the Lord merciful and gracious. This is the character of our God. He loves to show mercy. He loves to remind us that He is with us. He is gracious. Praise God, He is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. Verse 10, He doesn't deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His steadfast love toward those who fear Him. Again, this idea of awesome respect of God of not laughing and mocking and ignoring our creator but of being still of humility of having our eyes opened Lord you made me you sustain everything around me you know everything you know my heart You are changing me even when sometimes I don't know how that's happening. You are ever making me more and more like Jesus Christ. He has taken care of our sins. Wiped them away. As high as the heavens are above the earth. It's an amazing thing as The airplane goes through those clouds, and you get on top, and all around you is made visible. You say, Wow. You know, down here in Oregon, sometimes you got this wonderful cloud cover. (laughs) All it is is gray and wet. You get through those clouds. Oh, wait, look at what's out here. Look at the sun. Look at the sun set. I didn't even see it under those clouds. It's glorious. A picture of God's steadfast love as far as the heavens are above the earth. And I love this promise from the Lord as far as the east is from the west, never to meet. He has removed our sins, He has removed the judgment the penalty, the oppression. He has and is removing those unrighteous acts. He is changing us within us, creating in us a clean heart. He declares us righteous and He is making us righteous. This big word called sanctification he is preparing us for that glorious place where we will be with Him forever. And He gives some illustrations of this great love, of His forgiveness, as a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear Him. We had one little child saying, yes, <laughs> But isn't that the prayer? That's the prayer of my own heart. As I show compassion for my kids, but I don't do it perfectly like my heavenly father shows compassion. I know Sarah and I have these conversations. Was that really compassionate in your response to Elizabeth? (laughs) Oh, oh yes. Let me let me tell you how, how yes, let me let me figure out how to talk this out. No, no, no. You're right. That wasn't compassion. That was justice. <laughs> that was being right. Oh, but our heavenly Father knows perfect compassion. That is part of who he is. He He's like the Son who was on earth, and when he came to the crowds, his heart had what? Compassion for the crowd. They were like sheep without a shepherd. They were lost. They were in infirmities, sick, crying out, Jesus, are you there? Have mercy on me, as many cried out to the Savior. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. When we have that awareness of who he is, his presence, he returns us with his compassion. Why? Again, more illustration. For he knows our frame. <laughs> he knows that we need compassion from a holy Glorious, blazing God on high. You would think the automatic response would be, Whoa! But He knows our frame. He knows that we are but dust. And so He comes actually with mercy and grace and compassion. For He knows our frame. The blessings that we receive from God, the works that God has done on our behalf, the character of our God, this is who He is. And the fact that God and His steadfast love and who He is will never fail us. He is eternal. He lasts forever. He is the God who is established and will never go away. As we close with this last part, as for man, his days are like grass, verse 15. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. How realistic. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him and His righteousness to children's children, to those who keep His covenant and remember to do His commandments. The Lord has established His throne in the heavens and His kingdom rules over all. He will never end. He is never going to go away. Again, there's language in there of fearing him, of being in awe of him, because he is always and will ever be our father, our creator, the one who rules and sits on his throne in heaven. He is established, and we, the reminder, are but a flower in the grass or a little dot on the timeline. And even in what seems to be insignificant, He shows us His love, His care, His kindness. He sent His only Son for us. Oh, though we are but for a moment as the flower fades, yet we need to be reminded we are the flower. Who Jesus says is clothed more beautifully than all the kings and queens of the earth. Here the father puts his beauty and his color and his life into even the flowers. And yet they're gone. They fade away. At the end of the day. Or maybe in a week they're gone. They're dried up. I know for Sarah and I we try to sustain flowers and grow things and I don't know, I really wish I had the, the, the hands of, of life and growth, but somehow the plants I touch, they just don't succeed most of the time. They're like these flowers that, oh, that is so beautiful, and the next day, what happened to it? <laughs> it's gone. He puts beauty even in us. We are but a moment. But we have a relationship with the one who is eternal. So even though we are maybe here for a moment, God has given us life for all of eternity. It is not just him who is forever. He invites us into that life, that eternal life. He rescues us, rescues us out of the pit and brings us into his family, calls us sons and daughters. So as the psalmist, as David begins this psalm, bless the Lord, oh my soul, he calls all of us to this response. Our God who has given us all that we need, who has worked wonders to save us and rescue us and redeem us, It's because this is who our God is. We have read his character. And he is eternal and we are but for a moment. But our response to all of this is verses 20 and 21 and 22. Bless the Lord, O you his angels. You mighty ones who do his word. Obeying the voice of his word. And we're going to look even next week of this language of Hoping in his word. The angels do this. They are his messengers, his servants. Lord, whatever you say, I do. Whatever you want from me, I go and perform. They bless the Lord because they know who he is. They see him. They are in his presence. Verse 21. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will, his servants his children, the ones he has rescued. And look at even this, verse 22 Bless the Lord all his works in all places of his dominion. The things that we see that he by his hand sustains. The clouds that were here this morning at 7 a.m. And I said, Wow, it is so dark. Within a moment's notice, blue sky, sun, the day had begun. What a drastic change. The Lord and His works say, oh, bless you. The birds, as we hear them cheep, 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 chirp, treep, whatever, whatever they're doing. (laughs) Chirping and cheeping and all those things. All the sounds they're making as we hear them outside our window have to remember, they're singing to their creator. The one who made them. Bless the Lord. And lastly, bless the Lord, oh my soul. You know, I'm I'm surprised this psalm wasn't included in the songs of ascents as it has now been turned into a song for us to sing. But we are we in our souls able to say bless the Lord and to then go out and serve with our hands and feet, but first remembering and looking at who our God is and then responding to do his works as he has done the works in our lives and the works to sustain all that is around us. The works that he tells of us in his word when we hear of who our God is, does that make us say, bless the Lord, oh my soul, how can I now serve for Him? Maybe it's just serving someone else in the body of Christ, your family, reaching out. Maybe it's serving someone who is lost and you've been praying for. Maybe it's serving someone who dropped their keys or will drop their keys this week, or made a mess and is embarrassed, or someone in the stores asking for some food, or someone helpless and hopeless and homeless maybe. How might we serve? How might we be a blessing to someone else? We looked at the last week's psalm the house and the individuals, they cared nothing for the Lord and they were not a blessing. The people did not say, bless you. May the Lord bless you and keep you. But may that not be true for us. I pray you have come to Christ so that we might be able to say, bless the Lord together. Oh, my soul, may the Lord bless you. Let's close in prayer and song. Father, though this wasn't included in the songbook of Ascent, I'm sure it was a song on these pilgrims' hearts. The Lord has redeemed my life out of the pit. He has forgiven all of my sins. He has healed all of my diseases. He has taken me out of the depths and given me new energy and new life. He crowns me with good things, with his love and his mercy. Lord, if there is anyone in this room who doesn't have that relationship, who feels they are still in the pit, or who knows that they have not turned to Christ, confessed their sins, asked for Him to rescue them, I pray they would do that this morning. Today is the day of salvation. May they wait no longer. May they hold back no longer. May they give an excuse no longer. But Lord, may you bring them to the end of themselves and realize that they must be pulled out of their pit. They must be rescued and redeemed. May they trust in Jesus Christ that he is their Lord, their Savior, who went to the cross on their behalf. Lord, May we all afresh remember what Christ has done on our behalf, that you have died in our place and you are not there at the cross, but you have risen again. You have brought us new life, life everlasting. You have defeated death and sin and you will defeat Satan. He is thrown down, cast down. Lord, you are stronger and greater than him. May we turn to you for our hope. Amen. Amen.